I'm Marty Gold Cummings, and this is Marty Talks. We're chatting with your favorite stars, queens, and politicians to get all the tea on all things political. On today's episode, we are chatting with the former first gentleman of South Bend, Indiana, Chastin Buttigieg. Today's episode, we discuss what it was like being on the presidential campaign trail, pop star Mandy Moore, and what games he's playing with Peter at home during quarantine. Okay, this episode is really, really exciting for me. I, I, uh, Chastin and I have been following each other on Twitter since the start of the presidential um, campaign when Pete announced, and and we've had like a pretty good relationship. He is super sweet and really kind, and uh, full tea. Like my candidate for the the presidential campaign was Elizabeth, was Elizabeth Warren. I don't think that was a a secret from anybody, you know. I very much advocated for her, but I also understood the significance of having a gay couple on the cover of Time and running for office. And I think it's important when you, in the Democratic Party, to have dialogue with each other, even if you don't always see eye to eye on every issue, we can still be friends and friendly and work on the, you know, shaping each other's platforms. So I'm really excited to chat with um, Justin today. He's a really nice guy. and. Um, I think it was really awesome having Pete on the trail and 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 Chastin out there on the trail as well. And we get to talk about fun board games and Mandy Moore. Who can ask for more? All right, so here we go. It's Chastin Boo the Judge. Boom, 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 boom. We are here with another episode of Marty Talks with the incredible uh, Chastin Boo Judge. Hi, how are you? Hi, Marty. I am phenomenal. How are you doing? Well, we are in... Uh, deep into our quarantine here in New York. So today, I mean, honestly, today I'm a little squirrely, but I think that's that's normal. <laughs> yeah. How are things in South Bend? What's it like there during this um, this quarantine, this social distance time? You know, it's interesting that, you know, we went from the, the campaign trail going 100 miles an hour to zero. And it's sort of a sick joke that we said we wish we had more time together. Uh, <laughs> you know, we have... All this time together, uh, we've been pretty good about only going grocery shopping every two weeks. So uh, I just went this morning and I was a little alarmed at how many people were out at the grocery store and how many people weren't wearing masks and not keeping a six foot distance. So I hope folks are taking those recommendations a little bit more seriously. Um, but, you know, other than that, we've been enjoying like walking the dogs every day and cooking every day and, and, you know, really catching up on time that we didn't have on the campaign trail. Yeah. I feel the same way. Like, thank God for, we have two dogs also and, and our dog parks in New York are now, um, closed to protect people. Yeah. Um, But thank God we have the dogs to be able to take on walks to just get some air and, and some outside time. It's been a little crazy. Are your stores doing the, the lines outside with the six feet? No, they don't really constitute that here in, in South Bend. Um, you know, even at our like little local co-op, um, there's usually not that many people there. Um, but people have been pretty good about keeping space there. I was at the larger grocery store this morning where folks were a little bit more crammed. Um, it's just not as big as New York City, so it's not that much of a, a concern. Um yeah, it's why I mean it's 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 super scary. Um, I know I want to talk to you a little bit about um, you know I'm on the board of directors for Ali Fournay Center for homeless yeah. um, LGBTQ youth, and I know you've done some stuff with them as well. Uh, so that's one of like the big things we're advocating here in the city is helping people experiencing homelessness, especially this time because they're not able to um, quarantine or 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 self isolate the way other people 
are. How did you um, get involved with with Ellie Fournay Center or uh, join Homeless Outreach? Yeah, so when the campaign kicked off, I, I said I wanted to be as helpful as possible, but I really wanted to focus uh, on a few different areas, some that were really personal to me. So when I came out, I ran away from home, um, was terrified, absolutely certain that I would you know lose everything, and um, was really embarrassed about, uh, you know, letting my parents down and just, I grew up in Northern Michigan. So everything that I had learned about being gay was that I was wrong. And when the campaign started, I said, I want to do as much for the LGBTQ community as I could, especially when it relates to homelessness and housing insecurity. Uh, And over the course of the campaign, I was able to visit over a hundred LGBTQ centers and homeless service providers, which was fantastic. And Ali Fournay was one of the first centers we went to. And it was really just me going to the campaign saying, I want to go everywhere. I don't want to take cameras with me. I don't want to blow this up into a big press thing. I just want to go everywhere I can and listen. I think that is something uh, that leaders could do a lot more of is just listening. And, you know, my experience of being queer in the Midwest is not the same experience of being queer in New York City. Same way when I was meeting with kids, you know, in the middle uh, of Arkansas, it's not the same. And I wanted to go everywhere and just pull up a chair and listen and talk to people and say, what do I need to know? And what do you need to see in a White House? What do you want to hear from a president? And how can we make sure we get this right? I think that's so amazing. I think, you know, uh, the, I love that you brought your own experience uh, with your family into your empathy for these young people. Um, uh, I was reading a little bit about about your experience with your family today. And I'm glad that things are better now. Yeah. Um, that's good. Um, I want to use, so my mom's a teacher and I, uh, and I know that you're an educator as well. And I think teachers are probably some of the most um, underpaid, underappreciated <laughs> people in our, yeah. in our country. And we're really seeing that now, like parents are having to, to homeschool their kids because all the schools are closed. And so now we're seeing like, Oh my God, this is what t- teachers go through a lot. So, yeah. um, what is your kind of, how did you get into teaching and what is your, um, favorite thing about, about being an educator? Yeah, right now it's, uh, it's kind of bittersweet cause I wish I was with my kids back with my kids. And, uh, you know, I hope most recently I taught middle school. So I oh, spent a the hardest time. age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seventh and eighth grade. It's funny to see some parents like melting down on the internet. Um, (laughs) Imagine teaching a hundred of them a day. Um, You know, I, I went into theater uh, from a very young age, stuck with theater is the only place that made me feel alive, made me feel comfortable uh, in my own skin. And it made me feel like I was, you know, um, uh, really special. And anytime I was in theater class, uh, even through high school, that was like my safe space. That's the only place I really felt same. like I belonged. Oh my God, same, same, same. Yeah. And I stuck with, you know, I, and then everyone told me I had to go get a real job. Um, <laughs> but the arts weren't, you know, uh, lucrative and I was never going to get a job and it's not a real profession. And so, you know, I just believed that that's what I had to do. So I went to nursing school for two years, um, failed miserably in the end and then was like you know what screw this i'm going back into the arts that's where i feel the most alive that's what so feels yeah found theater education through working at uh, first stage in milwaukee uh, which is one of the nation's largest children's theaters and then you know slowly over time the more time i spent in classrooms realized like oh my god i love being in the classroom, I love when kids come into my classroom and feel alive, when they feel safe and comfortable and they're allowed to express themselves. 
And I was like, you know, I think I, I think I want to be a teacher. So that's what pushed me to go back to grad school uh, and get my master's in education. Um, and then, you know, two years later, Pete's running for president. But I was just where I felt the most um, of use was in the classroom. And it wasn't necessarily teaching theater or social studies in English. It was just being that person, just being that safe harbor for kids. When they came into my classroom, they knew it was okay to be themselves. And it was like a place they could just open up, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And that is what saved my life. My, my theater teacher saved my life in high school. And I just wanted to be that figure. I wanted to give back to kids because I know what it's like to have teachers who don't believe in you. Uh, and I, and that's where I, that's where I just felt, um, like I was doing the most good. Absolutely. I, I mean, a teacher has such an impact on, on people. I remember when I was in, um, you know, when I was in middle school, that like awkward age of figuring out, you know, I knew I, I, I knew there was something different about me. I'm pretty sure I knew I was, you know, queer, but I didn't really have the language for it at the time. It was super awkward. Right. You know, being a seventh grade is the worst, right? <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's just uncomfortable. It's just very uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, so I remember Mrs. Hastings, Shelly Hastings. I still remember her. She still comments on my Facebook. Oh, Shelly Hastings. She was like, she's everything. She's just like, she was my science teacher. And I'm the worst. Like I, science is not my, my jam at all. But I just, but she was that teacher, even though it wasn't like the subject that she taught that, that I remember about her, it was her warmth, you know? And I knew that I had a safe space in her. And I had this, you know, I went to theater school in New York. I wanted to be a musical theater uh, performer, and then I like accidentally became a drag queen, which accidentally made me into a politician. Who's <laughs> like we're running for council? It's like this weird trajectory. If but you I ever read a book that needs to be the title: "Accidentally a Drag Queen." <laughs> literally it. But I had this theater school who was like, "Oh, you're not talented. You're never gonna make it." And that made me. So there's like the opposite end of it, right? Like an educator like Mrs. Hastings really pushed me to be the best I could be. But this other teacher's negativity when I was in college push me to be the best that I could be though, because I was like, you know what, I'm going to prove that I, yeah. I am worth something, you know? So I just think teachers have such an impact and I love that yours is um, that warm, safe, positive yeah. space through theater. I saw the first show. Okay. I need to know since you're, we're both, we're both theater uh, queens here. Yeah. I need to know. Uh, so my very first show I ever saw was the local community theater, Churchill community theater, there's not even a stoplight in this town where I'm from. Okay? Like, it, and I just did a drag show there recently. They were like, come back and do drag. But the first show I saw was Annie. And I was I was maybe like five years old. And I was like, I want to be one of those kids up there, you know? And I went home and told my mom that. And she was like, wait, that's a show about orphans. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like, you know. Uh, but I, I was so mesmerized by it. What was that? What was that first show for you that you saw? I think it was a, a production of Phantom of the Opera because we were – we were in, uh, I think it was like in elementary school. And I remember going and just being absolutely mesmerized. Like the music, the lights, the fog machine was just like, oh my God, I have to be up there. That's and my epic. What's that? It's so campy. I love it. Phantom. Oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, my parents, I think my parents just didn't know what to do with me. Cause I was, I was like performing Celine Dion songs and like putting on way too many plays in the basement. And they were like, <laughs> what are we going to do with this kid? And so they put me in community theater classes. And that was just like, if I could get through the day so I could go to the old town playhouse, I mean, I would like jump out of my mom's car and run into the old town playhouse. Cause I just felt alive. And it like, I wasn't, you know, the, the sissy boy, like the boys were calling me in the hallways and I wasn't afraid to like 
walk down the hallway because I was going to get beat up or called names. I walked into that place with such confidence because all of the teachers there made me feel uh, like it was okay to be chastened. Oh God, I love that so much. I had, I, that's such a great, um, oh God, I relate to that so much. My parents got me a karaoke machine when I was a kid. Oh yes. It was me and the Spice Girls and I was the sixth member of the group. You know, (laughs) I was fully on tour with the Spice Girls in my mind, in my living room. And my parents had to watch Spice World way too many times. Oh, it's so good. But I would, you know, I, I, I was on a basketball team, which was not great for me. And I remember taking my Spice um, Spice World uh, CD. <laughs> I was so proud. I saved money to go to the local Caldors, which is this old um, department store. And I, and I bought the album and I took it to our basketball practice and all the kids made fun of me. And I was like, why are they making fun of me? This is like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> but, but then that, yeah, I mean, it's the Spice Girls. But then that summer, I took it to my theater camp, the Green Room Gang is what it was called. Yeah. And they were like, yes, this is everything. And I was like, okay, I'm home. I get it. Yep. Yeah. And it's not, you know, kids won't necessarily remember everything you taught them, but they will remember how you made them feel. And I will never forget how one of my math teachers in high school made me feel when I would like come to his desk crying because I, I didn't get it. And he'd be like, no, you got it. You got it. My last name, um, before I took, uh, Peter's name was Glesman and I'd go to his desk and he'd be like, you got it, little Gles, you got it. Uh And, and I remember just like bawling that I was not learning math. And, and he, you know, he just made me feel um, like un- just insignificant because the way he would brush me off, like a kid saying, I don't get it, help me. And then I'd go to theater and Mrs. Bach would like, she'd like open up the theater and let me eat lunch in there because I just had no, like I didn't sit at the same table every day. Uh, I struggled to make friends. And, you know, I, I remember vividly how certain teachers made me feel safe and how certain teachers, especially at my most vulnerable, especially when you're a queer kid in Northern Michigan and you know where your dad keeps the guns and you know how kids make you feel every day. When I was in that boat thinking like, it would it be easier to just, to just leave, to end it all. My theater teacher and a few others kept me alive because every day when I stepped foot into their classroom, they told me it was okay to be myself and they made me feel safe and important and special. And that is the best thing you can do as a teacher. Oh, I love that. Well, I would have loved to be in your class if I was a little fifth grade. No. Such a great teacher. Um, and I want to talk, okay. So I want to talk a little bit about um, your experience on the campaign trail as a, as a teacher. First of all, like sure. what a crazy year <laughs> you've had. Um, like wild. What did you, I mean, I, did you ever envision like this would be your, your life? It's so, uh, I mean, no, not at all. I mean, I, you know, when I met Pete, I was, uh, in grad school and then, you know, he ran for a second term as mayor. And then a little over a year later, he's running for DNC chair. Right. And like everything for him has changed so rapidly as well. And both things, you know, coming out of the blue. I think, you know, five years ago when I went on that first date with him, if he said, you know, I think I'm going to run for president in five years, I've been like, ah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you're cute, but that seems like a lot. Um, I never, no, I never thought uh, this is what I would be doing. And to be honest, at the beginning, I just felt like such an imposter. Like I, like how can I run with my husband to fill the shoes of Michelle Obama, right? <laughs> like how could I ever be, 
you know, a, a first gentleman of the United States. And then, you know, the more I realized out on the campaign trail, it is not pomp and circumstance. It's not, you know, what's he wearing? Um, it's just about how you make people feel. The same thing in the classroom. And I, you know, growing up, I never felt political. I never even felt like I was allowed to be political. I never felt invited into the conversation. And then I, you know, travel the country and meet people who feel left out and feel forgotten and overlooked. And I got to sit at the table with them and say, you know, talk to me, tell me what's on your mind. What do you want to see in this campaign? How can this campaign best reflect you? And that's what people need in this country. They need to know that they're safe, that this country stands for them. And I, at first I felt like there's no way I could do that job. And then by the end of it, I loved it because it was the same thing I was doing in the classroom, going out there, talking to people and, and letting them know that, yes, you belong. Yes, you fit in this country. And I want to do everything in my power to make sure you feel that way. Yeah. Politics is such a wild thing. You know, I'm running for um, city council and it, yeah. I feel, you know, my husband and I, we've been together. We've been married for almost three years and together for four. We got married pretty quickly. I knew. I was like, oh, I know. I know this is the one. Uh, but, you know, when, when we had that conversation, obviously it's not running for president. It's a much smaller scale. But it's like that that conversation that I had to have with him. Okay, like I'm going to run for office and, and our life is going to change a little bit. And this is, you know, and so he had to do that same thing. Okay, how do I, you know, he grew up Mormon. And so his experience, I don't want to like speak for him, but, you know, his experience growing up gay and Mormon. And he was like, okay, now I have this drag queen who is my spouse who just came out as non-binary, who's running for city council. Okay, how do I have that dialogue? And that's, I, I think he's taken a lot of cues from from you of how to, um, oh, wow. just, you know, listen and, and, and hear people's issues and how, you know, to be of service. And I think that's what politics is all, I think that's what politics should be all about, is being of service to um, yeah. people, being of service, which is like being a teacher, you're being of service. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I appreciate that. But I also never want to be like the arbiter of queerness. Like I would never <laughs> say that I, you know, understand everyone's experience. And that's what that's what made our campaign a better campaign and made me a better person. Because in that work, I was going out there saying, I, I don't have the first idea of what it means to be black and trans in this country. And that's why I proactively sought out those conversations and went and sat in those centers and talked with people and, and listened and asked, how can we be best of service? How can we get this right? Because I know, you know, what it, what it feels like to be left out. Add to that, you know, being a black youth in this country and being transgender, uh, you know, that was where it was super important for someone coming from, you know, South Bend, Indiana and, and growing up in Traverse City, Michigan to, to going out on the campaign trail. Like my worldview and my experiences haven't shaped me into, you know, the, the person who can say, I get it all. I understand it. You know, I don't have to go out and have these conversations. I'm ready to, you know, just stand next to my husband running for president and do nothing. It was like, no, I have to go out there and have every conversation I can and do everything in my power to make sure that everyone sees themselves reflected in this campaign. That's right. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's incumbent for us to really use our voice. You know, there's an epidemic of, of um, trans women being murdered, you know, so we have yeah. to, to advocate for, for, for trans rights. And also at the same time, I think it's important to highlight the, the the achievements of trans people in our community also you know and and so i i try to do that and, and work on that um but i uh so thank you for for having those conversations and listening to to people because it's bringing the conversation to millions of people who may have never heard it before yeah. Yeah. um i want to i want to shift gears a little bit and sure. i love mandy Moore. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is totally going in a different direction now. I yeah. love it anymore. Me um, too. Girl, from candy to this is us, okay? <laughs> and you've got a lot of time with Mandy Moore. What is your what what is one cool thing about Mandy Moore that we might not yeah. know? She is such a sweetheart. Um, she came to, a, I think she followed Pete during the DNC chair race. And um, she came to one of his very early events in LA. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I believe the way she tells it, you know, she was kind of hooked from the beginning. She was on team Pete and Pete, I was there with him and he kind of got like rushed out of the room afterwards. And and the, the campaign asked me to like stay around and, and talk to folks uh, I think he just like stepped out to do an interview or something. And um, Mandy Moore walked up to me and she's like, can I get a picture with you? And I was like, oh my God, yes, Mandy Moore. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I think we um, we DM'd one another and we we traded numbers and she wanted to be helpful on the, on the campaign. So she started, uh, she came out on the road with me, her and I did events in uh, uh, Florida and, and Louisiana together. And then she came out to Iowa and her husband, Taylor is a doll as well. And the thing I loved most about meeting them is they're just so kind. And in, you know, the, the campaign is gruesome and it is exhausting. You know, it's 18 hour days and sometimes you're doing four States a day and you meet so many people and you're like consumed by media and opinions and, like meeting someone like her was so refreshing um, because she was in it for all the right reasons too. Um, and even afterwards, like her and I chat all the time, like checking in on one another's pets and stuff. And it, wow. and it feels like I actually made a friend on the, on the trail, which is, which is really nice. And I love her new album, by the way. Oh, I have to plug her that for her. So good. She did this Instagram um, uh, video the other day. I think maybe it was her husband playing guitar for her. Yeah. I think yeah. her voice Oh my God, this is why she is everybody's favorite Disney princess, okay? Uh, <laughs> I think we forget she's a Disney princess. She's a Disney princess. Her and I were walking, so so we were uh, we were walking through the airport and this woman like ran up to us and she was like, oh my God, you're my favorite Disney princess. Um, uh, you know, and she was like wearing a Rapunzel shirt. What? Uh, we, oh we, were, yeah, we were flying from Orlando and... Um, uh, sorry, Mandy. I made her fly Southwest with me. Sorry, Mandy Moore. Um, <laughs> I can't. I can't afford to give you a private jet, Mandy. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're, you know, we're in the airport, and then you know, this woman's like fangirling, and she walks away, and I was like, "What is that like?" I mean, you're on This Is Us, you're a musician, but then like people equate you to a Disney princess because you Disney did the voice. Yeah, I mean, that's like, like that's iconic. When you become a Disney princess, I mean, Anika Nani Rose, <laughs> Leia Salaya, Jodie Benson, Mandy Moore. You know, this is it's icon. It's icon. I want to know because I, I, uh, we're again both like theater uh, lovers. Okay, Bro favorite Broadway diva. Who's your go-to like Broadway leading lady? Oh no! See, I got to ask this, these questions every day on the campaign trail. Someone would be like, what's your favorite musical? Who's your favorite composer? And I was like, that's too political. It's I don't have a political question. <laughs> you don't want to upset anybody. You don't want yeah. to. No matter what you say, someone disagrees with you in that room. Okay. Well, it, it could be like, oh, I love Andrew Lloyd Webber. And someone in the back room would be like, ah, you know, like it doesn't matter where you go. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I love mine are, okay, Audra McDonald is like. Okay, that's what I'm going to say. 
Audra's goddess, okay? She's goddess. She's stunning. She's also one of the kindest human beings. Laura Bonanti, she's going to be on the podcast. Goddess. I love what she's doing with um, with kids online right now. With, oh, uh, it's amazing. Getting yeah. them to, to do their, their high school musicals. I, I saw, um, I also, I'm the biggest Stephanie J. Block fan ever. Um, obsessed with her. Uh, but yeah, I think what Laura's doing is so good. Cause you remember what it was like your high school musical. Like that's such an incredible experience. So to not yep. be able to do it is, is so sad for, for these kids. So now they're yeah. able to perform it. It's, they're so sweet. They're just, I mean, they bring tears to my eyes. I was talking to Pete about this the other day. Like, can you imagine being in high school and like everything is like built to senior year. Right. And you miss your prom and your musical and graduation. Um, I mean, I didn't have a lot of those things, but I know that it's so important for, for so many kids. I feel so bad for them. And I, and I love that they have that platform now to share it. She's a good gal. I, Oh my God, I would have been so mad if I missed my prom. I was, I was that like kid in high school where I did the musicals. I had to be the president of every club. I was on the prom committee, you know, all that. <laughs> so, of course you were. I oh, never got to prom. I never went to prom ever. Really? Never oh, ever. Yeah. We got to throw you a prom. Pete has to take you, you know, to prom. I went and saw the prom on Broadway. So good. And I, did not, I did not expect, like, I thought it was going to be really fun, but then it like really hit a chord with me because I never got that experience because I was terrified of being like, you couldn't be out in high school. So you yeah. couldn't be yourself. And, and then there's, you know, that song at the end of act one, like tonight belongs to us, where basically like all the straight kids are like dancing around her, like taunting her that like tonight's our night and you don't belong. I just like broke down in tears. I was like, oh my gosh, I, that's exactly how I felt. Like yeah. all the straight kids got to have their dance and I wasn't even, you know, invited or allowed to be myself there. Uh, and I'm so glad it's becoming a movie and it's touring. And I'm so glad more kids are going to be able to see that show. It's such a beautiful story. And Caitlin and Izzy did such a good job of portraying those two characters, the the leads yeah. in it. And then Beth Lovell's character. It was just a beautiful, uh, yeah. Well, I, I, I go to a lot of Broadway shows in drag because I have to go to work right after, you know, the drag shows. <laughs> so I'm at the prom in full drag. My mascara's running, my lashes coming off. I look a hot mess, and I'm like, "Oh my god, this show just wrecked me!" But oh, it's it's important. But that's the beauty of theater, right? Like it's telling these stories that are that are needed to be told. You know, yeah. at first we have to think, "Oh, this is going to be a silly show," and then it's like it, it's so heartfelt and 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 uh, important. Yeah, so I'm so I'm so glad they did it, and uh, and I'm so glad again that it's that it's touring. I wonder what it was like when you were in the audience. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, can you imagine being like an ensemble member, like looking at the audience, and be like, who is that sad drag queen? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I went to see um, Michael Urie invited me to see him in a, a Torch song when it was on Broadway, and I and you know it's about a, a drag queen Arthur who who does drag. Harvey Firestein, you know, wrote it, and and I was in full drag, and in the first act, he says the word drag queen a lot and every time he said it this woman next to me she would in like the biggest way i wish the people like listening could 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 see like that but she would literally like lean forward and turn her entire body to look at me to see how i would react to this character saying drag queen i'm like yes girl we know yes, yeah. yes there's yeah. one next to you, <laughs> you know? we're all here we're all, we all know i always go to the beer drag people love it i i have to make sure that i wear small wigs though to not block people <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you were, I thought I'd be like, um, it's not that I have a problem with the drag queen. It's just the drag queen's uh, updo. My hair is too big. That's exactly it. Oh my god. He's so like out of towner. Like I don't know what to do. But I feel like that it's such like a New York experience thing for for people. Like, oh, there's a drag queen at this show. Okay, cool, 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 cool. I, I love, love it. That. Well, we gotta get. We have to have Pete take you to a to a prom. We gotta find a prom for you to go to. That's my goal for this year: get you to a prom, have one. So we have a a pride prom here in South Bend, and I think this like the second year we were dating, um, we swung by, but it was like, you know, the mayor and the first gentleman are here. Like you can't like to move, right? Like we came and like said some hellos, and we're like, hoorah, pride prom, hooray! But like when you're you know mayor, and you can't just like break it down. So Break it down, yeah. Oh, well, what are you guys, what, what is your, like, what's your, do, are you guys like watching movies or playing board games or what are you guys doing in quarantine? So, um, I love Peter dearly, but he is such a schedule person. Like he has to have a schedule even for leisure. And right now, you know, I, I am enjoying this, this privileged moment of being able to do nothing and the come down from like the, the campaign, was really hard for the first few weeks. Like very hard to have a normal conversation. Always like you're feeling like there's so many people all the time, and now yeah. it's, you're at home. Yeah, right. And it's like it's hard to read because I feel I feel that constant tug. Like it's time to go, gotta go do something. Um, but now like starting to settle into it. So like every day we cook dinner together. Every day we walk the dogs, uh, at least once a day. Sometimes twice a day, which is great. How's you know, buddy? Good. Oh, buddy is. Yeah writhing and uh he loves having his dad's home um truman doesn't care about anybody uh it's so you know and he like pete is like reorganizing his office and we've moved all this furniture and this is the first time in five years we've been able to like put our house together and um but he he like go 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 right like now he's organizing the office and like doing all this work like he was on the view this morning while i was like in my pajamas like watching television um you know and for me uh, it's just like readjusting but we're starting to watch some shows which is great because i didn't get to watch tv for like a year and a half oh my gosh this week really hit hard the the week we're recording this modern families finale was oh. last night which yeah. wrecked me shit's creek shit's it, creek wrecked yeah. me but it's like it's so crazy you know like you spend seven years with one show and 11 years with another i've seen every episode of both and then they're they're, they're just done and you're like oh oh my god yeah. you're like saying goodbye to friends i was a wreck sobbing Sobbing. I'm so grateful to 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 Dan um, Levy for the. I mean, he's incredible. He's remarkable, and and Jesse Tyler Ferguson. I got to talk to him on my Instagram. Oh, I watched that yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Justin, his husband is like the sweetest human being you'll ever meet. He's so nice. He's incredible. I loved getting to know them, and you know, just being like. That show has been on for, what was it, like 11 years? 11 years, yeah. So, I mean, we, Jesse and I were talking about this. Like, that show was on before Marriage Equality. And yeah, for many years like, before. That visibility, can you imagine? Like, I told him, like, that visibility for me was affirming. It was like, oh, it's on TV. Like, this is, you know, I feel one step closer to being, like, feeling safer in my country and feeling affirmed for my existence. Well, that's why it's so, like, representation matters, right? Representation on TV, representation from right. teachers and schools, representation in politics, it makes a difference. It makes yeah. a difference, you know? It helps It helps uh, move the dialogue forward. So uh, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but uh, thank you so much for for um, what you're doing and uh, have fun in, in this year, what, you know, um, you know with, yeah. with Pete and the dogs. And 
Uh, I recommend Blake. I'm looking at it right now. Blake and I have been playing uh, Risk. It's like our new board game. I've really gotten into oh. games in this. So. That is like the one thing Pete and I played on the campaign show because we could oh play it like in different cities. You can play it. I want to show you. This is like I've become upset. The people at home can't see this, but I've become obsessed with this board game. <laughs> I, and I'm such a competitive person that Blake wins every time. And we also play phase 10 a lot, the card game. And he, oh, always, yeah. he always wins. And I get so, I get so mad, like angry. Oh, that's I've a never big won. thing in this, in this household. Cause you can get the app and you can play oh, yeah. um, digitally. We just started playing Monopoly again. Cause I love kicking Pete's butt at Monopoly. Um, and it takes forever. And like, we don't have anything to do. Do you have the, for, do you have the, 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 the app for Monopoly or the board game? Yeah, I have the app, and then you cast it to the television, and all you have to do is like hit the di- hit the buttons, and you're you like, gonna get that. We have the I, I like I like um, buying like kitschy kind of board games. So I have like the Golden Girls Monopoly, and we have the Disney oh my god, Monopoly yes. and all that stuff. Yeah, I but I always lose, and I get so mad. It's fine. I'll get over. Oh, well, we've got time. Well, Marty, thank you for thanks thank for the conversation, so and thank you for your activism and your visibility in New York. Uh, you're a great follow on Twitter because uh, you help all of us stay. Uh, up to date uh, and in the loop. And I really appreciate everything that you've done as well. Thanks. I appreciate that. Love to you and the dogs and uh, Pete and stay safe and healthy. And um, uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Marty talks. This podcast is presented by the only productions, Mitch Farino and Bob, the drag queen editing is also done by Mitch Farino and Bob, the drag queen. Check out other podcasts, videos, and live events at theonlyproductions.com. Make sure you're registered to vote. Tell your friends and family to register to vote and get to the polls. Our democracy and our lives are at stake. Thanks again. You can find me on all social media at Marty G. Cummings. Until next time, spread love and don't be a dick.